All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in numerous different texts. The main one will be Romans 8, 13 through 16. Romans 8, 13 through 16. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and start turning there. And then we'll also look at Acts chapter 2. So two books close to each other. Romans 8, 13 through 16. And then Acts chapter 2, we'll start with verse 42. Before we get there, we have a lot to cover. Um, If you remember two weeks ago, we talked about the gospel. And you can see this is our ministry process. Gospel Covington family. And so we want to make sure we're clear on the gospel. And we looked at Romans 1.16. The gospel is the power of God for salvation for those who believe. We see that we could not rescue ourselves. We are stuck in sin. We need a Savior to come. That is why Jesus showed up. He came to seek and to save the lost. He lives a perfect life, a life that we could not live to meet the standard that God the Father has set. He dies on a cross, though he did not have to die. He was buried, and three days later, God raised him from the dead. He's walking around with his disciples for 40 days. Then he ascends to the Father, and he is going to return. And so the gospel, in a nutshell, is Jesus on the cross paying for my sin. He consumes the wrath of the Father poured out on sin and our mistakes and all the times we've missed the mark. And I get his righteousness so that when one day I stand before God and have to give an account for my life, he doesn't judge me based on what I have done, but what Christ has done for me. This is called the great exchange. This is the greatest news you will ever hear. You can stand before God because what Christ has done for you and you can't do it any better because Christ did it perfectly. And so we want to spread this gospel. I think there's a lot of people in Covington that have no idea if there's a God or not. And if there is a God, I wonder if they would say, are you okay with God? Or do you think God has judgment coming for you? Right? So when you stand before God, are you confident you're going to be all right? I wonder how they'll answer that question. And so we've got to start with the gospel. We're not okay before God on our own. That's why the Bible paints a clear picture of hell because people will be paying for eternity for their sin because God is an eternal, most holy God and our rebellion is against Him. And so we can either pay for our sin forever or let Christ pay for it on the cross. That's the gift. So we have to be clear on the gospel. The gospel brings life. We have to spread the gospel throughout our community. And so then we looked at the gospel leads to Covington. Does anybody remember how many neighborhoods are in Covington? A lot. Yes. 24. There are 24 neighborhoods in Covington. And and I'm just going to flash through just a few of them because it's really centrally located where we are worshiping right now. The first neighborhood I want us to see is Austinburg. Austinburg has over 2,500 people living in it. We're worshiping right here on Oakland Avenue. Oakland Avenue, right here. This is our block. There's 2,500 people that live right here. And if we keep going at the pace we're going, they'll never hear the good news. They'll never hear the gospel. And then when we look back down here, there's another neighborhood, the east side. The east side has over 2,000 people. And they're right down the street. They have the best outdoor basketball course. We've got to go to them. And one way that we're going to do this, um, Coach Pope hooked me up with an idea. Hey, you should get the church in a kickball tournament. Listen, there's some sports that I'm decent at and there's some sports that I'm not. 
Kickball is not one of those sports. It's never good for a fat guy that's slow to kick a ball and try to outrun the guys throwing the ball at them. And yet, that's what we're going to do. We're going to get a team in this kickball tournament because there's going to be hundreds of young men and women down here hanging out at a kickball tournament. It's why we're going to go to old timers. We're going to take a grill. We're going to cook out. We're going to be in the basketball tournament because here are 2,000 people that desperately need to hear the gospel. And guess what? Lost people don't come to church. Why? Because they see the church building for church people. And if they're not church people, they're not coming. So what does the church have to do? We have to go. So that is the east side neighborhood. And then if you go to the other side of Austinburg, you have the Wallace Woods neighborhood. And we have a family that's going to the cookouts and building relationships with neighbors in a place where over 1,500 people are living right down the road. And then on the other side of the street, you have the Pieselberg neighborhood thousands of people some of you guys live there it's all right here thousands of people we, this is our city we've got to go to them because they're not coming to us and then that leads us to what we're talking about today family right when you take the gospel and it spreads what happens is the family grows you see this in acts you see this all throughout the new testament you want to know why you can hear the gospel today? Because the gospel spread all the way from across the ocean. And it got to us. And it got to your street. And it got to your block. And now we can hear the gospel. And I don't want the message to stop with us. And so we're going to spread the gospel throughout Covington, throughout northern Kentucky, throughout the nations. And what happens is the family grows. Now, a couple of things. There's so many things out there that piggyback off of family. The family unit is dynamite. It is important and powerful in your life. And it can be powerfully good or powerfully broken. But the family unit is powerful. And so you can see all throughout uh, examples. There's a basketball team now, and I think it's the Nike slogan. And what happens is they have the warm-ups. Now, listen, I picked Kentucky. I'm a little biased. A lot of college teams had this. It was the, the promotion from Nike. And what happens is you have the team logo, but then you have family above it. And there were a lot of high school squads that had this uh, this year. I know Cooper uh, did and a couple other schools. Um, they're stressing that, hey, we are a family. And why do you think they're, they're stressing family? Because they want to be a tight unit. They want to sacrifice for each other. They want to be selfless for the good of the family, the good of the Team, And so you see this being pushed in sports. You also see this Olive Garden. The catchphrase for Olive Garden is when you're here, you're family. The problem with Olive Garden, uh, they didn't have great business the last two years. Um, a lot of people were not going. And so now it's go Olive Garden is their catchphrase, right? But you used to be when you go, your family, right? They want to create a family environment. Listen, if you have unlimited breadsticks and unlimited salad, I'm coming. I don't care if I'm family or not, right? <laughs> then you got uh, Fast and the Furious and, and the whole thing with the guys uh, with Ben Diesel. Um, they are family. It's this tight bond that won't be broken. And so there's a lot of example after example of families in mainstream media in everyday life. And then the church uses biblical metaphors, biblical images all throughout the New Testament. Right, So you can see the church is a temple of God and we are living stones being built up on the cornerstone that is Christ. That's a biblical picture. Another picture, we are a body. 
right? And so all of us in the room who belong to Christ have different gifts and different abilities, right? My, my right hand won't do what my left hand does, and neither of them do, do what my heart does. But all of those body parts are important. And it's the same thing in the church. You have different gifts than me, and we have different gifts than you, and we put it together as one body doing what God has called us to be. And so that's a biblical picture. But when you get to family, it's not a picture, it's a reality. Church is not like a family. Church is a family. And so I want us to dig deep into this for the next few moments. I want us to hear what God has to say. I want us to do some work. I want us to open up our hearts and our minds to what God is calling us to so that we can live this out. Because this will transform you, your street, your neighborhood, this city, and whatever city you live in. When the church operates as a family God has called her to be, it is transformational. All right, let's pray, and then we'll dig in. Father, I pray that your word is clear. I pray that we are open to the truth. I pray that we move accordingly. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, number one. Are you in the family? Are you in the family? This is a very important question. Right? I can walk into a garage, right? John, I could come to Elite Automotive. I said, John, stand back. I got this. Give me the, give me the oil. I'll, I'll change the oil. And this. Now, listen, I can walk into John's garage down Elite Automotive, but guess what? That doesn't make me a mechanic. And one thing that I want to be careful of, just because you walk in the doors of a building does not mean you're a part of the family. The Bible is very clear who's in the family, and I want us to be very clear about who is in the family. And so a couple of things. In John 1, verse 12, if you're taking notes, just write down John 1, 12. It says, But to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So there's two criteria there. Those who receive Jesus... And those who believe in Jesus. And then John goes throughout his gospel explaining what does it mean to receive and what does it mean to believe. Right? So, you can check. Do you belong to the family? Have you ever received Christ? Do you believe Jesus can save you from your sin? Do you believe he is the one God has sent? Do you believe he is fully God, fully man? Do you believe he rose from the grave? If you are, if you do, you're part of the family. So those are two criteria. Another criteria in Romans chapter 8, verse 13 through 16. Romans chapter 8, verse 13 through 16. This is a little bit longer. Still very, very important. Romans chapter 8, 13 through 16. This is what it says. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Criteria number one. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So there's two criteria from that text. Number one, are you fighting sin? Not, are you perfect? But are you fighting sin? sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're living however you want to, saying whatever you want to say, doing whatever you want to do, you are not a part of the family. Right? The Bible talks about how we are in bondage to our sin. We do what we want to do because we are sinful people. We're stuck. 
Jesus comes to set us free. He gives us his spirit so that we can walk in line with the spirit. We should look more and more like Jesus. I have three girls, and guess what? All three of them have different features that look like me. Right? Thankfully, they're looking more and more like their mother. They're not going to be single forever, but they're not ready to date yet. Let's make that clear. But they look like me. You know they're part of the family because they look more and more like their parents. We should look more and more like the God we worship and serve. So one of the criteria that the Bible lays out is are you putting to death sin through the work of the Holy Spirit? So just think, if you're not growing in your walk with Christ, you're probably not a part of the family. But if you hate sin, if you mess up, like, man, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to glorify Jesus in this area. Then it looks like you're part of the family. Because that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. So I'll give you an example. Last night was prom, right? We had a bunch of students go. Um, you'll see a picture here in a little bit of Cortez in Chicago and, and two other guys. Um, and, and I was praying for our students that went to a prom um, because I want them to pursue Jesus and glorify him even at an event like prom. So what happens at prom? There's a lot of dancing. There's a lot of temptation. There's a lot of options after prom. There's a lot of things that they could go down, some paths that they could go down that in a month, in a couple years, they could really regret. And so one thing I am praying for them is that they're fighting sin even while having a blast dancing at the Madison, an awesome venue, wearing awesome clothes to glorify Jesus. And you can do that. And so that's one thing I was praying for all of our students that went to prom last night. I want them to be fighting sin because they have the Holy Spirit to do that. They're part of the family. But then also you see by the Spirit they cry, Abba, Father. I'll give you an example. And I've shared this, I think, before. Um, Camden, for whatever, Camden loves watching scary, like Goosebumps. If you guys are familiar with Goosebumps, there's some scary episodes on that thing, right? And we were watching um, the show, and there was a scary monster, and I'm like, oh man, Camden is not going to sleep well tonight. And sure enough, uh, she gets up, it's around 2, 2.30, I'm still in a fog. She comes to me, Dad, Dad, I'm scared. And I go, Camden, I'm right here. You sleep in this room right here. Nothing's going to happen. Dad, I just need you to tuck me in. What do you think I did? You get up, you take her to her bed, and you tuck her in. Why? Because she's my child, and she calls me Dad. Now, this is the relationship that we have with the God of the universe. Do you see how this is life transforming a God who has unlimited power, unlimited wisdom, unlimited knowledge, loves his children so much that he gave his only son, withholds nothing back, he will never fail you, and you get to call him dad. That is an awesome privilege in our family. You want to know what that does for me? That gives me confidence. God, you want me to go here? I'll go here. There's nothing that really scares me in this world. Because I have a dad who can take care of it. You see, my problem with being a father, um, I'll use Ava as an example. And I need to clear my illustrations before I use examples. Ava had a dance Friday night, right? It was the, the, the new fifth graders come in, and uh, it was the last dance of the year, but there was a lot of things I didn't know about the dance, right? And she was stuck out in Boone County. She goes to Connor Middle School. 
And so I'm wondering, well, what the heck are they going to wear? Because Ava's been wearing her school clothes all day, right? I don't know if jeans are appropriate for a dance. She's like, Dad, I'm fine. Well, what time is it? Is it, all right, is that too late? She has a game here. She's going to be too tired to get up and go. Okay, who all's going? I want to know who you're hanging with. Okay, I know her. I know her. I don't know. Uh, I don't, there are a lot of things I didn't know about. Why? Because I'm limited. I didn't want her to miss a fun opportunity, the last dance of her seventh grade year. But I also don't want to make a mistake and say, oh, she's going to be worn out. She's going to be grumpy all day. Saturday. She's not going to be able to play. Right? And so I'm, I'm doing all this, but I'm limited. You want to know what our father has no problem doing? He's never limited. He never has to second guess himself. Whoops, I messed up there. He doesn't do that. He knows everything and is able to do anything. And so when you go to him, you know that you are being loved even more than you could love yourself. And if you don't get something you're asking for, it's because God has something better for you. This is the beautiful picture of being in the family. And the Holy Spirit leads us to call on God as our Father. So, this past week, were there any instances where you called on God as Father? Dad, I need some help here. Because that's the Spirit at work in your life. You're probably part of the family. So, those are some criteria to be in the family. Four things. Have you received Jesus as Lord and Savior? Do you believe in Jesus that he rose from the grave? By the Spirit, are you fighting sin? And then by the Spirit, are you crying on God as Father? And then in 1 John 3, 1, it just hammers this home. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. That's a beautiful picture. That should give you confidence to move forward, to go where God is calling you. That changes lives. That is a father who will never, ever, ever let you down. And then I've got an illustration with uh, Steve Urkel. Now listen, this is a little bit um, older, but Steve Urkel, he was in the, the show uh, Family Matters, and, and this is the beginning of every show. You have the Winslow family and Carl here trying to hold Steve out. He's the unwelcome guest into the family, right? And what would happen is he would eventually get on their nerves so much that you would hear the slogan, go home, go home, go home, go home. And then Urkel's response, I don't have to take this. I'm going home. And that would be in just about every episode, right? There's a difference between a visitor and a family. Now, he does end up marrying one of the daughters and becomes family. But I want you to understand this. There's a difference in showing up for a worship service and being part of the family. God has written a book so that you can be clear on whether or not you're in the family. And those four criteria, you have to answer. I cannot answer those for you. I do know this. For me, I receive Jesus. I believe Jesus is who he said he was and is. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose from the grave. I believe by the Spirit I am putting to death uh, my sin. And I've got a long way to go, but the Holy Spirit is in me and we're working and we're fighting sin. I don't want to do this. Anymore. I want to kill selfishness. I want to be a faithful father. I want to be a faithful uh, husband. And so I'm putting to death things that threaten that. And, and then by the Spirit, I cry out to my Father who is in heaven. I can answer them. I can only answer them for myself. I can't answer them for you. But you need to answer them. Don't just be a guest showing up. Be a part of the family. And then number two, what or how does a family relate to each other. How does a family relate to each other? And this is in 1 Timothy 5.1, and it's a verse that, that's given from Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy. They're not biological 
uh, father and son, but they're spiritually father and son. And this is what he tells to Timothy. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Treat younger men like brothers, older women like mothers, younger women like sisters in all purity. And then in Romans chapter 16, he's sending Phoebe, this, uh, what he would say is my sister in the faith, and make sure you take care of her. Why? Because in a family... Brothers take care of their sisters, and sisters take care of their brothers, and mothers and fathers protect their children. This is the picture of the church, and all throughout the New Testament, you see, hey, so-and-so, brother so-and-so, and sister so-and-so, and we're sending you this, and greetings from the brothers. And It's a constant reminder of, hey, the church is family. That's how we relate to one another. Now, I would say, especially with the time and place where we are living, this is forgotten in many churches. Many churches do not operate or relate to one another as brother and sister. Now, I was lucky enough to have an older sister and two younger brothers. And here's the deal. If any of them ever needed anything, I am there. Because that's what brothers and sisters do. And the vice versa is true. Now, the same truth happens to Redemption Church as a family. If you know Christ, if you believe you're part of the family, you are now my spiritual brother or sister, mother or father, and that's how I'm going to relate to you. So I started to look. What are some things you have to teach a child to do? Some things you have to teach a child to do. Now listen, I started the list and then I got depressed, right, because it keeps on going and going and going. Just a couple of things. You have to teach a child how to walk, right? They're just laying around, then they start crawling, then they start pulling themselves up. Then you got to cover every corner or move furniture because you know bumps are coming. And then eventually you gain balance and they can walk. But you got to teach a child how to do that. You got to teach a child how to eat. You start with bottles and then you move on to Cheerios. Um, goldfish are great. And then finally you get more and more solid food. Uh, you finally get to be done with the uh, baby food, which leads to a mess on both ends. Um, you got to teach a child how to tie shoes. Listen, I'm a big believer in slip-ons and Velcro, right? And then you got two options. Do you want to do the loop, swoop, and pull, or the bunny ear method, right? Either way, it's painful, right? Because the child, for some reason, will keep on getting those shoes untied, and you're just spending every five minutes, oh, let me tie your shoe, oh, let me, back to Velcro. We're not there yet, right? <laughs> Thankfully, I've got all girls tying their shoes. Um, you you got to teach them how to share toys and settle disagreements. Um, we, we were working through this. I thought we were making good progress, and then... First day of school, we're downstairs, they're getting their shoes on, one of our daughters comes up with a bloody nose because the other one punched her in the nose. Not how you settle a disagreement, right? So we have to go through that. We're still work in progress. You got to teach a child how to use the potty, right? You got diapers, you got pull-ups, uh, and then you got the day of potty training, and you're always nervous, right? If the kid moves wrong in a walk, you think that they need to go to the bathroom, and so you're running them to the toilet, setting them down, potty training, like all of this stuff. And now I'm, I'm getting to the cool part. Now we're on the other end, and, and we're trying to figure out, ah, oh, we got to teach them how to drive. Yeah, if you're not a person of faith, you will be. When you're with a child trying to teach them how to drive, you can't find a big enough parking lot, right? And, and so that's coming up. I'm just thinking, man, this is constantly training. Now, spiritually, there's the same truth. Think about this. We have to teach new believers how to pray how to read this Bible. Like, do you guys understand how big this book is? There's 66 books in this Bible. 
and this is how you know God. He wrote a book. And so we've got to teach people how to read this. You don't have to start in Genesis. You can start with any book, preferably in the New Testament. You can start with a small book. You can start with certain passages and certain verses. We've got to teach people how to memorize the word, how to share the gospel. We've got to teach people how to serve and use their abilities and give and use their talents and time. And that's only done by training. And so guess what we need? We need spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers, spiritual brothers and spiritual sisters. <clears throat> the girls were watching a movie the other day, um, Mars Needs Moms. Right? Now listen, it's a weird movie. I'm just catching glimpses of it as I'm, I'm doing some other things. And, and in this movie, uh, this boy's mom gets kidnapped and they're taken to Mars because they have all these kids and they need a mom. You want to know, and I thought that's a pretty good picture of our church. We have eight students lined up, and, and then um, in, in a couple weeks, if, if God is moving, and I believe he is and working, we could have up to 12 students that need to be baptized, people who are new in their faith. And here's the deal. We need people that will walk beside them to train them up the way God has trained us up. We are in desperate need of spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. Now, uh, I'm also trying to figure out at what age do I move from being a brother to being a father, right? Cortez is young. I'm a little bit older. Am, am I a brother to him or am I a father? It doesn't matter. If there's things that I know from rocking with Christ, I'm going to pass them on to Cortez. And then I don't want Cortez to stop. I hope he finds some sixth grader somewhere that are looking up to him like, man, he gets to play football at Holmes High School. He's more, this is on the football. And I hope he's pouring into someone else and being a mentor and a tutor for them walking with Christ. And so I don't know how the age breaks down, but I do know this. I want us to relate to each other as mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters. And then a couple of examples. I've been spoiled when it comes to mothers, spiritual mothers. So I had a grandma who uh, I, I would spend the night at their house because they were close to the school I was going to, and I'd spend the night once a week because I had a class Monday and I had a class Tuesday. And so once a week I'd spend the night, and she, she came and she said, Hey, Ben, I just want you to know this is the room and this is the chair where I start every morning, and you, I just want you to know I pray for you every day. And I don't doubt it. She sent a Bible. Andrew, go ahead and put that one up. She sent a Bible, and this is what she wrote into it. So this is, this is the Bible I got when I was a senior in high school, right? So um, it is well-worn, and in it, Grandma wrote a note, right? I just want to read this to you, and this was not uncommon, right? She, she wanted to, to be the one to get, it, get me a Bible, and so Grandpa would write in the front. She would write in the the back, and she just wanted that I would know something, and she knew I wouldn't throw the Bible away, and so she said, I wanted you to read this, and every time you read the Bible, just remember, in the back, there's an encouraging note. So check this out. Dear Ben, you are truly a joy and a blessing to your grandpa and me. I know you will always study this word. I pray for you every day, and I always will so. If you ever get down and feel lonely, just remember that Jesus never changes. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Nothing can ever separate you from his love. His word never fails. His promises are true. And everything he says comes to pass. Sincerely, Grandma, P.S., I love you the most. Right? I love this because there's so much gold in this passage right here. Not passage, in this note. She points me not to herself and her love. She points me to the love of Jesus. Because that's the rock I should hold on to. But she wants to make sure, hey, just so you know, I do love you the most. 
right? That's a spiritual mother. And then you have mom. I remember mom uh, back in the day. So she had my sister and I, and then eight years later, Sam and Andrew come, right? So I've got some younger brothers, and, and I remember the Billy Graham crusade came through and went to Cincinnati. And mom would load up the boys and take them to the Billy Graham crusade. And I, I remember I'm, I'm sitting in the back of Paul Brown Stadium. I'm looking over, and I can see mom dragging the two boys up so they would hear Billy Graham, right? Mom made sure if there was ever a service at church, we were there. And you got to understand something. At the church I grew up in, the pastor preached for 55 minutes to an hour. That didn't include songs. It was an hour and a half, right? Some would consider that cruel and unusual punishment. And mom would look down the pew, the, the seats, and give us that stare. And listen, that's deadly, right? And you know you only had so many stairs before it was going to be painful for you. But every day or every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we were in church. Why? Because she thought, and it's true, when the word of God is spoken, we need to hear it. When the people of God gather, we need to be there. That was our priority. That's a spiritual mother. And so when someone's not here, like let's say Kamari, let's say she has some sporting event, she can't make it. How awesome would it be is some of our ladies would call and say, hey, Kamari, I just missed you last Sunday. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a great week. I know you only have nine days of school left. Finish strong. Right? That's what we need. That's how we need to relate to one another. I would love for some of you to chaperone proms to serve in different functions at school, tutoring and mentoring. There, there's all sorts of stuff. And then I would love for some of us that are younger, go to someone's house who, man, I need the gutter clean. So Zach Jennings had to go to an, an older gentleman, a neighbor. He's like, hey, man, I got to get on this gutter. I'm a little bit nervous. Can you hold the ladder? So Mike Hall goes and holds the ladder for him. Right? We're spraying uh, wasp spray and all this stuff. It's getting all over us in our eyes. It's fun. It's a blast. But what happens? We're serving together. We're relating to each other as Family. And then you saw the, the picture of Coach Nevels. He says, I have no biological children, but these are some of my young men. So you see Cortez in the shoes and Chicago. In the, like, these are some of our guys that we consider sons in the faith. We want to push them to walk with Christ. We use football as a vehicle to pour into their lives. Right? And, and so there's so many ways you can do it. But in here, I want us to relate to each other as family. And so I was just thinking of, of some other examples. I would love for like David Buchanan, who's a grill master, um, when he does pulled pork, it's as good as any pulled pork you'll taste. I would love for him to do that for maybe one of your guys' graduation. Like that would be a cool thing where, where hey, and here's why. This is where I'm going to close and, and then we'll sing a song and get out of here. The third point is how do we, tr how do we relate to one another? The, the other thing is what does a family do? There are tons of one another's in the Bible. And I'll just, I'll give you a brief example. Serve one another, welcome one another, strengthen one another, help one another, encourage one another, care for one another, forgive one another, submit, commit, build trust, be devoted, be patient, be interested, be accountable, confess to one another, and, and, and the list keeps going. This is how a family relates, a faith family relates. But I want to close with one. In John 13, 5, and it says, love one another. This is what it says. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The early church got this right. Because in their time, the widows were cast off. The poor were marginalized. And what happened is the church would come and take in the orphans and the widows and care for everyone who had need. In Acts 2, 42, it talks about how people were selling their lands so that everybody's needs would be met. 
And they would gather together day by day, and the Lord would, number, would add to their number every day. Why? Because the church loved each other. You want to know how Covington will know there is a church in the city? It's by how we love one another. May we love one another well. So that when they see, like, that, that doesn't make sense. That person's from Florence, and where are they connected with, with him in Covington? And then when they see us sacrifice for one another and give to one another and build up one another and then love one another, they're going to be like, I, I want some of that. And here's the good news. We'll be able to share the gospel. And when you share the gospel, the family grows. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you move in this place. Father, I pray that we grow as a family. I pray that we have the courage to approach each other, that we treat each other like moms and dads and brothers and sisters. Father, I thank you for everything that you're doing in this city. I thank you for sending your son through whom we might call you father. It's in his name we pray. Amen.